Welcome to the Marriage by the Book podcast. Whether you have a great marriage or one that needs improvement, this is the show for you. Since 1994, we've used biblical principles to help hundreds of couples, just like you, find relationship success. As you listen, you'll get practical tips, knowledge, and motivation that will help bring greater intimacy and happiness to your marriage so that you can enjoy the relationship you've dreamed of. And now, this is Marriage by the Book. Hello and thanks for listening. I hope you're having a great day wherever you are. I know I'm having a great day here. You know, Jesus is on the throne. Things are good. The world may be crazy, but you know what? My final destination is heaven. And if you're a believer, then so is yours. And really the bottom line is a Christian can't lose. Your best days are always ahead of you. So that's awesome. Thanks again for listening. And I want to talk today in the Marriage by the Book podcast about covenant and, um, Covenant is a, an interesting subject. I think a lot of times in Western culture, which is what we live in, people really don't understand covenant very well. So I think it's a really important topic to cover, especially because marriage is a covenant. I know several years ago now, Rebecca and I, we were doing a premarital conference in the Czech Republic, which is in Central Europe. And in the Czech, there are only 12 million people in the world who speak the Czech language, okay? You know, there are billions who speak English, you know, 12 million uh, Czech speakers, and they don't even have a word in their language for covenant. So we had to actually make up a word for covenant in the Czech language, and we had a pastor interpreting for us, and we introduced the word and used it to differentiate the difference between a contract and a covenant, which is something I want to do with you today. But as we talked um, the whole room, nobody really understood the concept of covenant, but there was these two ladies on the front row that began, they got it. They began to nod their heads. And after the session on covenant, we talked to them and found out that they were from Israel. So they were uh, Jews who'd gotten born again. They had moved to the Czech Republic and gotten born again, became Christians. And they had a, because of their Jewish upbringing had a, a strong understanding of covenant so it was very good and they really appreciated what we talked about that day which is what i'm going to talk to you about today so anyway what i want to do today is talk about what covenant is and show you that marriage is a covenant and i want to define what covenant is then i want to differentiate covenants from contracts some people say a covenant is a type of contract. I couldn't disagree with that more, and I'll tell you why. So, uh, and then I want to tell you a story that helps to illustrate covenant, and then we'll end for today. And then next week, I'm going to come back and talk about how you treat a covenant partner. So, let's get into this. So, again, marriage is a covenant. A lot of times, people don't understand covenant. And in this session, I want to describe what, a, again, a covenant means and uh, show you how covenant works and operates in marriage. Malachi 2.14 is one scripture that shows us that marriage is a covenant, okay? And it says this, Yet you say, for what reason? Because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth, with whom you've dealt treacherously. That sounds bad, but that's not the part I want to get to. He goes on and says, Yet she is your companion and your wife by covenant. See, their marriage is a covenant. That's the point I want to bring out of that. And Proverbs 2.17, again, it's sort of a negative scripture, but it shows marriage is a covenant. It says, Who has left the partner of her youth and ignored the covenant 
covenant she made before God. When we marry someone, we make a covenant with this person before God, and we need to honor that covenant. That's why next week's session is going to be so important, because I'm going to talk about how you treat a covenant partner. And really, that session is very powerful because it's how you it's t- we, we're going to talk about really some things that are why people fall in love. And if it's how you fall in love, it's how you stay in love. It's how you maintain that passion throughout marriage. We'll talk about that next week. It's really powerful, really good. But you know, we live in a contract-oriented society, and people tend to use covenants and contracts, those words, interchangeably. Let me define a covenant for you, okay? Covenant is a disposition of property. What I have becomes yours, and what you have becomes becomes mine, both assets and liabilities. So if I go in covenant with someone, their assets now are mine as well as theirs, and their liabilities are now mine as well as theirs. You know, when you are going to go into covenant with someone, you really want to know them. You want to know who you're going to covenant with. You want to know who you're marrying, okay? Uh, another definition of covenant is it's a coming together to become one. It's a mutual undertaking between two parties, each binding himself or herself to fulfill the obligation. Each one is disciplining themselves to fulfill that obligation. It's up to each one to do their part. And, you know, really, oh, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I'll get into that later. Covenant does not contain the idea of joint obligation. In covenant, we are individually responsible to fulfill the obligations of both. So what that means is if my wife Rebecca doesn't do her part today, I get to do the whole thing. Okay. So we have to fulfill the obligations of both. All right. So now what I want, we typically, when Rebecca and I are teaching this session to a couple or to a, in a conference or whatever, we uh, will have a table and I can't show you the table on the podcast, obviously, but we have a table and in one column we have facts or points about contracts and that we on the other column we have counterpoints about covenant so i want to read these to you uh, and uh, follow along with me here so a contract is based on distrust the parties um, i'm sorry let me start that over a contract is based on distrust the contract is written to protect the party's assets Okay, that's contract. A covenant is based on trust between parties. The assets and liabilities of each party now belong to the other. You see how they're different, drastically different. A contract is written to define the limits of each party's responsibilities and to limit their liability. It puts limitations on what they have to do to fulfill the agreement. A covenant is based on unlimited responsibility and liability. Contracts involve promises. If you do this, I'll do that. Covenants involves oaths. I'll do my part no matter what you do. So if you don't uphold your end, I'm still going to uphold mine. Contracts exchange goods or services or money. Okay. Covenants exchange persons. A contract can be voided by mutual consent or if one party fails to perform or if circumstances change. Let me read that one again. A contract can be voided by mutual consent or if one party fails to perform or if circumstances change. Covenants endure no matter what, no matter what circumstances may come. You know, think of the marriage vows in sickness and health for richer or poorer, right? A covenant only ends when one of the covenant partners dies. Contracts are based on performance. 
covenants are based on commitment. Okay. Um, there's actually, I'm, this next point, there's kind of two versions of it, a short one and a long one for contracts. So I'm going to give you both. Here's the short version. A contract is a protection of yourself. Here's the long version. A contract is a defining of the limitations of a relationship, whether business or personal, to protect yourself and ensure separateness is maintained. Covenant is a giving of yourself without limitation. See, they are absolutely opposite. People think that a good marriage requires compromise. You know, people, you'll hear, I've heard people say, you've probably heard this as well, that you know, marriage is a 50-50 proposition. It's a give and take. That's contract thinking at work, okay? Marriage is actually a 100 a hundred proposition. Man, I'm 100% committed no matter what this other person does, and they're 100% committed no matter what I do. You know, what you know, if I'm only 50% committed, what about the day that Rebecca is only at 20%, which typically doesn't happen? Let's let's reverse that. What if Rebecca is only 50% committed and there's some day when I'm being a knucklehead and I'm only 10% committed or whatever, okay? So what happens to that 40%? We you know, there's just this gulf, there's this divide in the relationship. But if Rebecca is 100% committed it makes up for what i'm lacking or i hope that makes sense to you um we give ourselves and whatever it takes okay covenant doesn't compromise it, it gives what's needed to succeed and let me say this too it's easier to be a hundred percent committed than 95 percent committed or 99 percent committed it's easier to be a hundred percent committed why is that because if you're a hundred percent committed there's never any doubt. I'm committed. I'm going to make this relationship work. If I'm 99% committed, every time there's a bump in the road or whatever, a conflict, I'm thinking, is this the one time I'm not committed? Is this the one time I allow disunity and division to come into my relationship? You want to keep that out. It's better. It's easier to be 100% committed. Okay. I want to get into now the story that illustrates covenant, okay? You may have heard back in the uh, the 1800s, there was this uh, um, explorer, Dr. David Livingston, who was looking for the source of the Nile, okay? And that's this story is about Stanley and Livingston. There was a movie made years ago about it. Actually, a very good movie. It's an old movie, but it'd be worth watching. So I put my recommendation on that. So let me. I'm just going to read this to you. In the mid-1800s, Dr. David Livingston a Scottish medical doctor, missionary, and African explorer was quite famous and renowned for his adventures. Okay, many newspapers covered him and everyone followed his exploits. Then he disappeared for six years, just vanished. <laughs> a prominent newspaper paid for he didn't vanish like off the face of the earth they just didn't know where he was because he was on one of his explorations, okay? And they lost track of him. A prominent newspaper paid for Henry Stanley to go to Africa to find Livingston. This is when he was seeking the, force, the source of the Nile. When Henry Stanley conducted his famous search for Dr. Livingston in Africa, he was confronted by a particularly powerful tribe that tried to hinder him from proceeding. The guide who was with him explained that if he wanted to continue his search, he would have to cut a covenant with the chief of that tribe. He wasn't sure what this was. He wasn't sure what a covenant was. So he asked, the guide explained that there would be an exchange of gifts and that blood, Stanley's as well as the chief's, would have to be shed. Stanley reluctantly agreed, and they began the process. 
Before the blood was shed, they had to exchange gifts. Stanley was not in good health. I think the trip and he had some malaria and things like this was just very hard on him. So anyway, Stanley wasn't in good health, and he took a goat with him everywhere he went for its milk. The, you know, the nutrition, the, goat, the goat's milk would help him a lot. The chief said that he wanted that goat. Therefore, it was a difficult decision for Stanley to make because he had depended on the goat's milk for his health. But if he failed to please the chief and did not successfully cut the covenant, he would not be allowed to continue his search. In the end, he yielded and gave the goat. And in exchange, he received a tall spear wrapped with copper. So to Stanley, this did not seem like a very impressive gift. After all, what practical good would it be to him? Nevertheless, the covenant was completed and he departed on his journey. The very next time, he met someone along the way. An unusual thing happened. The person they met bowed before Stanley. He didn't understand this at first until he was told that the chief had given him, had given Stanley, the symbol of his very own authority. It was as if these people were greeting the chief himself. See, they understood covenant. They saw that spear. They knew that's the chief's spear. That represents the chief's authority, and the person carrying this is in covenant with the chief. So it was as if they were greeting the chief himself. Himself, Stanley had been worried about losing a goat, but now he could actually request a whole herd of goats if he wanted to. Okay. Also, before this, when they would come to a village, they had to guard their provisions or the villagers would steal from them. I have read where they would like circle their pack animals and leave some. They, at first, they just leave the pack animals thinking everything would be okay, and they'd come back and stuff had been stolen. So they, what they started doing is circling the animals, and somebody would stay with them to, to watch the animals and make sure nothing got stolen. But after cutting the covenant, all they had to do was you know stick the spear in the ground with their pack animals, and no one would bother anything. They wouldn't touch any of their provisions because it would be like stealing from the chief himself, and they wouldn't dare do that. That's awesome. That's the story that illustrates covenant. You see, when we go into covenant with someone, we become one with them. And when we understand covenant, understand that oneness, understand what happens in covenant, there really is a difference between covenant and contract. You know, in marriage, two become one. I'm going to conclude this session for today because the, this is a shorter podcast. But in the next session, I want to get into talking about how you treat a covenant partner. And as I said, the way you treat a covenant partner um, it's really very interesting and very powerful what we'll be talking about. But it, it really describes how two people fall in love, and you'll see that. And it also, if it's how two people can fall in love, it's how they can stay in love and actually grow in love throughout their marriage. Things don't have to fade. Things don't have to to lessen. They do not have to. And this is how you maintain that. So I just want to encourage you, share this podcast, like, subscribe, let people know you like it, tell others about it. Um, and um, tune in next week for that uh, second session on the marriage covenant where we talk about how to treat a covenant partner. Thanks again. We hope you enjoyed today's Marriage by the Book podcast. Make sure to like, rate, and review, and hit the subscribe button. For additional resources or to go deeper, visit marriagebythebook.org. See you next time.